0: After nearly eight months of hockey and arguably the most competitive series in WHL final history, it all comes down to one game winner take all to be crowned champions of the dub for 2007. Will Vancouver declaw the Tigers or can Medicine Hat slay the Giants? Better stick around to find out you don't want to miss a second. It's game seven between the Tigers and Giants next. Hello, welcome to episode number 20 of the Let's Remember some Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Lucas Mancari in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. Join me once again in this show from his palatial estates in Regina, it is Mark Smith. Mark, how are things down there in WHL Central, or not Central Division, that'd be impressive, East Division Bubble Land? Uh, it's, it's great.
1: Uh, I stay home most of the day and <laughs> try not to, to venture out too much, but I did, uh, did go for su- uh, some lunch this afternoon out, so
0: it, it was nice. <laughs> Living the dream. So on yeah. this episode of the program, uh, you picked the year two thousand seven. You were debating between this game that we chose in a semifinal, of the twenty seven or two thousand seven World Junior Hockey Championships in the United States and Canada. You end up going with Game Seven of the Western Hockey League final between the Vancouver Giants and the Massena Tigers, one of the best games in WHL history. Why did you end up choosing this one?
1: I think that's your answer right there because it was one of the best games in WHL history. Uh, just a, a great finish to a, a great series, and, and um, yeah, it was good to it was fun to, to relive this game. And uh, I I forgot a lot about what happened in it, but uh, it was it was really good good to be reminded and see uh, the great fog game that uh, happened at the Madison Hat Arena, a great old barn.
0: Now, did you see this game live when it originally happened on Shaw?
1: I remember watching it uh, on Shaw. Uh, but uh yeah i didn't remember a lot of it uh i just remember hearing about it and then um yeah it was good to, to relive it and, and see the action uh once again uh, you have a great uh
0: playoff game now i had seen this for the first time back in the spring when whl started joining retro broadcasts uh during the covid19 stoppage and this is the first one they show and as you'll see as we record this it's a heck of a game to start things off now I should disclose here, as Mark and I are recording this, I am waiting for a phone call from Braden Schneider. So, will we have a mystery guest in the program? You'll just have to keep listening and find <laughs> out. That would
1: be uh, an epic call in for a game that he had nothing to do with.
0: Braden, what do you remember of Tyson Sexsmith? Lucas, I was five.
1: Yeah, I do not remember a thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, so let's set the scene a little bit for both teams. We'll start off with the Vancouver Giants. It's our sixth season in the WHL. GM Scott Bonner has been there since the start. Don Hay in his third season with the team. The year prior, they had a 47-19-6 record and 100 points to lead the West Division uh, or the Western Conference, their first of five straight BC Division titles. In the playoffs, they beat Prince George and Portland five games, swept Everton four games, and then swept the Moose Jaw Warriors in four straight games to win their first and to date only WHL Championship. Gilbert Brulé, playoff MVP with 30 points in 18 games. After the Memorial Cup, they went 1-2 and two after two losses to Moncton and Quebec to start things off. They beat Peterborough 3-2 to to 4 as a tiebreaker, beat the Pete 6 nothing in a tiebreaker game, then had a 3-1 loss to Moncton in the semifinal. Brule had 12 points in five games to lead the tournament in scoring. Mark, that team obviously came to your hometown of Moose job the face Warriors and the Warriors' yeah. only trip to the league final. What do you remember from that 6 Giants team?
1: Uh, they were very good and uh, much better than the Warriors in that final series. Uh, get With Gilbert Brule coming back to to steal the series from the Warriors. I think Musha was the better team going in, but mes- or Vancouver outplayed them definitely in that uh, final series.
0: In their tile defense season, they went 45-17-10 40 se- for 100 points, 14 ahead of Canlis winning the division, but 11 points back of the Everett Silvertips, who won the regular season championship uh, in the WHL game, the Skyman Monroe Trophy. Leading scorer, Milan Lucic, 68 points, 70 games. Their leading goaltender was Tyson Saxman, 31-12 and Ava, 179 goals against average, the best in the league. 9-15 Stavis centers, and 10 shutouts, which is second in the league to Everett, Zeland, Irving, 11. Can you believe it? An Everett goalie leading in shutouts in the WHL. Shocking development.
1: <laughs> I don't think that will continue. That's not a streak they're <clears throat> going to keep
0: going. No, it's not a trend to keep an eye out for for the next decade. <laughs> uh, two players from the team are at the World Juniors, Kendall McCarl and Cody Franson for Team Canada. Mario Bliznak for Slovakia and Michael Reppett for Czech Republic. Jonathan Blum, who was the 23rd overall pick by Nashville in that year's draft at the best plus minus in the league at plus thirty-seven. Besides Blum, Michael Repick was a 40th overall pick by Florida. Spencer Mahajek, 67th overall by Atlanta. And Tyson Sexsmith, 91st overall by San Jose. In-season moves, there's a few big ones the year goes on. On November 21st, Dustin Slade, who had been their main goalie the year prior, wasn't happy about splitting time with Tyson Sexsmith. He went to pursue an ECHL gig that never came. If you listen to the Basket Hockey Finale podcast... Uh, you'll know that Dustin Slade was his mem- was Mark's memorable guy for badassery <laughs> goalie on the edge. <laughs> Dustin Slade appears again. Everything comes full circle with <laughs> Dustin Slade. <laughs> uh, on November 29th, goalie Blaine Newfeld is the back of the section who's acquired from Saskatoon. He started using the med hat more than that trade in a bit. For a fifth-round pick in 2007, Vancouver kept that pick to take defenseman Simon Witt. And then, big trade involving the Warriors on November 30th, forward Kendall McArdle was traded by the Warriors to Vancouver for forward Jason Reese in a second-round pick in 2007, which became forward Nathan McMaster. I assume you'll have thoughts on that trade, Mark. Yeah,
1: that was uh, one that didn't uh, exactly work out for the Warriors.
0: Well, <laughs> but I mean, I guess even with McArdle, too, because he was a signed prospect, I think with the way to, you'll see what the Warriors are understanding compared to last year, that was a trade that everybody kind of figured was going to happen, probably.
1: Yeah, I think uh, going into that season, uh, you could tell that that trade was uh, definitely going to happen. Um, really no no point for the Warriors to hold on to McArdle when they were uh, working their way into a, a rebuild, start of a rebuild uh, with after going to the, the league final.
0: Uh, the other trades around deadline time. On January 5th, forward Wacey Rabbit comes back from Providence to Saskatoon. Uh, Rabbit is then traded by the Blades for forward Kenton Dolan, a second-round pick in 2008, which becomes forward Lucas Sutter. A.J. Phelan, depends with the Prince Albert Raiders, is dealt for prospect Nathan Deck in defense from John Flatters on deadline day. And the other deal, forward Kyle Lamb, on a fourth in 2008, which the Giants kept take forward Andre Parker, went to left bridge, for the forward, Mike Rutschel, and a fifth in 2008, Portland, which ended up in Portland, became forward Jesse Siemens. Any thoughts on any of those other trades besides the McCardo one? Before we move on to the Tigers, Mark.
1: It was a busy year. <laughs> that's, that's I think my biggest takeaway. It seems like there was a quite a few big trades that uh, happened throughout the season as the year went on.
0: Mm-hmm. So we go to the Mesnat Tigers. Head coach GM Willie Desjardins became the head coach in 2002. General managers came in 05-06. In the 0-5-0-6 season, the Giant or the Tigers went 47-16-9 for 103 points, beating Calgary by two points for the Central Division regular season title. They swept Swift Current and swept Saskatoon, but then lost in five games to the Moose Jaw Warriors. Matt Hansen, goal scoring dynamo (note the sarcasm), <laughs> sends the Warriors to their first and only final. With his only playoff goal in his WHL career in a Game Five overtime win in Medicine Hat. I'm assuming you have memories of that series, Mark.
1: Oh yes. Uh, I just—I was 18 years old and having fun at the, the crush can when that series was happening
0: <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember much from that Tigers team from 06? Uh, not, I
1: can't I, I've, I've been racking my brain uh, for the last couple of days about it I don't remember a lot but I just remember that series being an epic one and Musha, you know obviously clinching their first uh, Eastern Conference uh, playoff title to get to the, the league final for the first time
0: Sadly that game was not on YouTube otherwise Mark and I would be here for three hours uh, in the 2007 season, 6 7 season, 52 17 3 for 107 points, three points ahead of the Kootenai Ice, and four points back of every overall league standing for the Tigers. He won the fourth straight Central Division title. The other two years that he won the Central Division in 2004, he were the league champions sweeping Everett in their expansion season, lost 6 5 in the semifinal to Gatineau, and then in 2005, he lost in the second round in six games to the Prince Albert Raiders. That was Prince Albert's last playoff series win until their run to the league championship in 2019. Leading score. Still, still are. Plan the parades, baby. <laughs> dynasty. Strangest dynasty yep. in history, but a dynasty nevertheless. Yeah. Leading scorer on the team was defenseman Chris Russell. 69 points in 59 games. Was named defenseman of the year and league MVP that season. Uh, back-to-back defensive of the year winner for Russell. The first is Dion Phaneuf in 2004-2005 joining Nolan Baumgartner and Glenn Leslie, kind of. When Leslie won in 86-87, there were separate division winners. The East Division's winners that year were Manny V. and Wayne McBean. Ty Smith would match that feat the last two seasons with the Spokane Chiefs who are going to New Jersey Devils this season. When it comes to MVP from a defenseman, it hasn't happened all that often. Carl Osler would do it the next season in 2008, but it hasn't been done since. Prior to that, Dan Hammers in 2002... Very back in 1977. And again, a split division winner in 1986. Manny Viveros was named the East Division MVP, the West Division MVP, Matt Gorley's hero, Rob Brown. Rob Brown also working his way into a WHL podcast again. Always. (laughs) Leading goalie was Matt Keatley, 42-11-1, led the league in wins with 219 goals against average, 913 receivers and 6 shutouts. No player from this team was drafted into the NHL draft that year, but he had two players on Team Canada. Chris Russell and Darren Helm, and Jacob Rumpel was on the Slovakia team at the World Juniors. I think that surprised me the most, looking at just doing some pre-research here, Mark, was that nobody from this Tigers team was picked in the 07 draft. There's a lot of guys that will play in the pros that have already signed contracts, but it felt a little strange when a league championship team didn't have a guy that was drafted.
1: Yeah, they usually, like, you, you'd think a, one of those teams would have, like, a, a young guy that uh, is, is on the verge, but they'd also been such a strong team leading up to that, maybe drafting low or, or having traded away picks. So uh, it's surprising, but to kind of see how it would go with just how successful they'd been leading up to that. Mm-hmm.
0: When it comes to in-season moves, there wasn't as many big ones per se. There is one uh, as the Giants made during the course of the season. However, there's a fun trade on October 2nd. We mentioned Blade Newfeld earlier. He was dealt to Saskatoon by Med Hat for a conditional 2007 Bantam draft pick. That pick was a six-round selection that the Blades gave up. That turned into Emerson Edom. Good pick. <laughs> oh, those blades. <laughs> just, just okay. It's no Colin Valcourt trade. It turns into Kyrie Yamamoto and Ty Smith for the Chiefs. But what is, really, when you think about it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, there's, that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> other notable trades. Uh, October 16th, Matt Sokol four out to Portland for a fifth and 2 which sandwich end up in Edmonton, who took defense in Braden Laroque. October 16th, around that same day, defensive Mark Ishward is called up from Burnaby in the BCHL. Then the big trade on Boxing Day: Michael Sowers acquired from Portland for two defensive prospects, Lee Morrow, who played 20 games in 07 08 for Portland and then sends the rest of his career in the AGHL, and defensive prospect, second round pick in 05 by Tigers, Patrick Weircott, who never comes over to the WHL. He stays in Burnaby, then goes to Omaha and USHL, the Denver Pioneers, and then the Ottawa Senators. Those so it was interesting to see Patrick Weirkotch's name come up in a big trade deadline deal. <laughs>
1: not uh not that surprising
0: <laughs> and after the trade deadline russian defenseman alexander provoking heads back to his home country so the playoffs that year a little bit different in a way to what it is now it was divisional matchups so no wild cards the top four teams in each division would advance to the playoffs then they'd be reseeded by order of points once we get to the conference final S- or the conference semi or yeah, the conference semifinal i should say so yeah, Speaking is hard, Mark. Anyway, we'll start at the Western Conference. In the BC Division, Vancouver at 100 points. Canloops, 86. Prince George, 74. Chilliwack, 57. Beating Kelowna by four points again to the postseason. Then the US Division, Everett, 111. Tri-City, 96. Seattle, 88. Spokane, 80. Portland, 37. Yes, kids, we're in the bad era for the Winterhawks. They're, they're few and far between, so uh, <laughs> let's, let's move on from that. <laughs> in the playoffs, we'll start in the BC Division uh vancouver defeated chilliwack in five games jonathan blum the overtime here in game one the prince george cougars upset the can Blazers players in four games to advance to the, uh, sem- or the second round of the playoffs uh nevin said a gucci with two overtime winners in that series including in game four Everett defeated spokane in six games and tri-city defeated or seattle defeated tri-city in six uh, in the second round of the western conference playoffs vancouver loses game one in overtime to seattle brett robertson scoring there but then ran off four straight wins then, the regular season champion Silvertips with a 2-0 series lead, lose in six games to the Cougars. Uh, in that series, um, Nick Drazovic scored a overtime winner in Game 4. Game 5, the uh, Everett Sovertips were up 3-0, and Prince George scored four goals in the third period to win, and then they pummel Everett 8-2 in Game 6. The conference file not as dramatic. Vancouver winning in five games over the Cougars. That is... Run by the Cougars to get to the conference final. That marks their last playoff series win as of present day. With the Raiders' run to the league two years ago, Cougars still have, and barring something happening this year where playoffs magically appear, the longest playoff series drought in the CHL.
1: In the CHL? Interesting. I did not know it was that long.
0: Well, but, Kingston uh, decided was, to be good for one year, and that changed things a little bit. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> interesting. But that's, uh, yeah, that's it was
1: quite the run to, to see Prince George in the... In the Western Conference Final, when I was looking back at the the year,
0: especially I mean at that time too, Setaguchi went off for them in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, he was he was unstoppable for those first two rounds.
0: Uh, in the Eastern Conference, uh, if you remember the Saskatoon Blades controversy of sorts in 2018 when they had a better record than the Central Division teams to missed the playoffs, you ain't seen nothing yet. In the East Division, Brandon had 93 points lead away. Then Regina had 80. Swift Current, 69. Nice. Prince Albert with 60, beating Moose Jaw by a point and Saskatoon by a point to get into the playoffs. In the Central, Med Hat 107 points. Kootenai, 104. Calgary, 85. Red Deer, 79. Left Bridge, 71. <laughs> but, <Yeah>. Well, well <laughs> Leftridge would have been in third place in this division. Nah, they'll get the last laugh the following season By making the league final, but that's another story for yeah. another podcast. <laughs> um, do, do you remember that being an exciting playoff race at all or I'm trying to remember where you were at that time. Were you been in Vinimocha? Were you at school then?
1: I think I was at school then, so I might not have been around. Uh, I would have been back for the around when the final was happening uh, the year before. Um, but I was I was in school then, so I probably missed out on most of that
0: gotcha so in the playoffs that year uh the raiders losing five to the brandon wheat kings uh regina beating swift current in six games uh brett leffler the overtime winner in game six the central division series were wild though we'll start with the med hat tigers they end up going seven games with the red deer rebels matt keatley of the 29th shout out in the finale to win that series uh then the calgary hitmen defeating the kootenai is an upset in seven games the hitman almost blew a four a three one series lead though in Game 4, the Ice, firstly, had a 4-1 lead after 42 minutes. They end up losing in overtime. Then, in Games 5 and 6, Kootenay wins 4-0 in Cranbrook and then 4-3 in Calgary. Then, Ian Duvall, the overtime winner, in Game 7 for the Hitmen in Kootenay as they advance to the next round. In Round 2, the Tigers sweep beside the Regina Pats. Derek Rossette was the overtime hero in Game 3 for that one. Uh, the Calgary Hitmen defeat Brandon in six games, and then the Tigers advance to the league final by beating the Hitmen in five. Tyler Ennis the overtime hero in the series decider. Before we get to the final, any thoughts on how the East Division went, or Eastern Conference went that year?
1: It was interesting to see that Medicine had kind of struggled with Red Deer in that first round, and then kind of cruised after that until the league final. Um, and then yeah, Calgary looked uh, pretty sh- had uh, pretty uh, strong run as well leading into the final after uh, the, the seven-game win over um, Kootenay in the first round.
0: Mm-hmm. So the league final, it's a lot of turning points throughout this series. In game one, Vancouver wins in Mesnat, one nothing. Tyson, Saksmith, 23 saves to get the shutout. Ways Rabbit, the only goal of the game, 17 minutes into the contest. Kevin Undershoot scores two goals in game two to win 3-2. to Game three, we go to Vancouver. Tigers win 3-2 in overtime. Trevor Glass scoring just 32 seconds into the extra three. Then the Giants shut out the... Tigers in back-to-back games at the Pacific Coliseum, sex with 18 and 20 saves respectively in games 4 and 5, 4-0 and 3-0 wins. Big story in game number four, though, Cody Franson is hurt after a hit from behind by Derek Dorsett. In chatting with Steve Ewan, uh, who covered the series for Vancouver, there was, quote, a undisclosed injury that kept Franson out. He thinks it was a concussion, but he's not 100% sure. Franson, though, would be back in the lineup for the Memorial Cup, but not for the rest of the league final. That proves important later. Anyway, then in game number six, in Madison Darren Helm scores a game-winning goal of twelve thirteen mark in the third period. Uh, David Slumpko with three assists in that one as the Tigers win 4-3. to three. So it's been a lot of twists and turns just to get to this point, Mark.
1: Yeah, that's a, a interesting playoff series. Like Just how tight it was for those first three games. And then um, Vancouver kind of flips the switch in games 4 and 5 and gets those two shutouts um, over Madison Hat at home. And then back to Madison Hat, and the, the, uh, the magic of the Madison Hat arena kind of – works out for the the Tigers to get the series win
0: hey do you ever do you ever go to a game at the Manhattan Arena
1: I went I called the game there with James in the last season um I made a point of going I needed to, to be there for for one of the games before that place went away
0: that was the thing with me as well I ended up going to game five which was the signing game of the first round the series Riff Red Gear. I think it was like Easter weekend I ended up getting a chance to go and it was fantastic it reminded me so much the way the rink is of the old gardens and the zoo, just the way the seating step and that kind of thing I have a shot at somewhere in my files. There's Ridley calling stuff. He's looking pretty normal. Then Mooner's there. He's grabbing onto the edge of the railing, just yelling like he's yelling at kids <laughs> getting on his lawn. Cam Moonley ladies and gentlemen.
1: That's amazing. That, that's a perfect encapsulation of
0: that moment. <laughs> uh, this game is also the final game of the Canadian Hockey League playoffs before the Memorial Cup gets underway. Uh, on May the 9th, Lewiston Maniacs, let's remember some teams, completed a four-game sweep of Valdorf, a 2-1 road win. Jonathan Bernier made its playoff MVP with 41 saves in the series clincher. And the day before this, on the Sunday, the Plymouth Whalers defeat the Sudbury Wolves, won a Cinderella run to league final in six games, a 3-2 overtime win at the Sudbury Arena. James Neal, the overtime hero. After winning game five at home in overtime, Dan Collins scoring in that one. Mark Stahl was named playoff MVP. He is only one of two players who did not win the league final to be named the OHL playoff MVP since the Wayne Gretzky Award came into effect in 1999. The other, some guy named Connor McDavid from the Erie Otters in 2015. Mm,
1: he's not going to amount to anything.
0: Eh, stupid sexy McJesus beat the Greyhounds that year. <laughs> So some pregame stuff here. Now this is the WHL on broadcast team. Dan Elliott's your in-arena host. Dan Russell and Bill Wilms are in the booth. Barry Schrader's the roving reporter. One of the things we talked about in the pregame, the battle between Kendall McArdle and Derek Dorsett. There's fighting, there's spearing. Dorsett bites McCardle and gets a one-game suspension, comes back for game six, and gets a two-minute standing ovation. It's all happening. I,
1: I, the, the standing ovation part, I just love. <laughs> I'm like, that is, that is old-school WHL right there. You, you Give a two-minute standing ovation to the guy that's just being a pest through the series.
0: See Theo Fleury's entire time in Moose Jaw against the Pats. Yeah,
1: he, Moose Jaw and Theo Fleury are, are intertwined because of that.
0: I think that's the first time I've, Derek Dorsett has ever been compared. To, Dorsett has ever been compared to Theo Fleury, by the way. Hey. He'll take it, I'm sure. Uh, Tigers looking for their fifth league championship. Besides the championship we discussed in 2004, uh, they also won in 1973, 1987, and 1988. The Giants are looking to become the first repeat champions since the Camloops Blazers in 94-95. That's when the Blazers won three out of four championships in that span. Right Red Deer is the closest set prior or going into this game. In 2002, they lost to the Kootenai Ice in six games. It's also the Giants' first ever Game 7, and the first time they've been on the brink of elimination since the first round of the 2005 playoffs when they lost to the Kelowna Rockets in six games. This is also the first Game 7 WHL file since 1994. Uh, that, in that series, the Kamloops Blazers held a 3 1 series lead, almost coughed it up, but won 8 to 1 over the Saskatoon Blades. The other series that wins seven games, Swift current 93 over Portland. Canloops again, almost blew through and lead in 92 against the Saskatoon Blades. Madison Tigers were down three two in 1987, but won two games at home, four, three, and six, two to defeat the Portland Winterhawks. In 1984, Canloops wins two games on home ice to defeat Regina. Game six, the Pats are 12 seconds away from winning the league championship when Dean Evison ties the game for the, Bla- for the junior Oilers at that time, not the Blazers. Ryan Sturt wins in overtime. Pain for Pats fans. The other two, other three series, uh, 1981, Victoria and the Calgary Wranglers. The Cougars were down 3-1. Then they roar back to win the series. Uh, the only team to do that in WHL history in the league final. And the other two series were eight-point game or eight point series uh, between New Westminster and Saskatoon, which New Westminster won in 75 and 76. So interesting to see there's been... Some interesting gaps in just how those series have gone back in the past.
1: Yeah, it's uh, then like after this series, there was a bunch of game sevens uh, in the last
0: few years, hasn't there been? Yes, yeah, so we'll get to that in a little bit after it gets to the end of the game. And also, we're in a stretch two uh, where there's no Memorial Cup on the line, but this is the four, third time in a four year stretch where that happens. London, Ottawa in 2005, Moncton, Quebec in 2006, and Kitchener, Belleville. Uh, in 2008 there was a lot of times especially in the 90s i think there was a stretch in the 80s too and he started having the host team uh grant there was a couple of years where that was because the host team sucked and he didn't go to the memorial cup but 93 94 95 96 and 97 one of which of all the greyhounds of course is why i'm mentioning it all those teams went those league champion and the league and the eventual host were in that league final so it's good to see that too because obviously you don't see it as much anymore since then 2011 2015 and then 2019 everyone around and halifax
1: yeah, it, did. it seems to not work out for the host teams as of late. I don't know if it's just too much pressure now on them. But, uh, yeah, it's it was, as you mentioned, that, that stretch in the 90s is pretty incredible. And then just to see how it's kind of flipped now is interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get to the scratcher. We're getting ready for game time. For Vancouver, not dressed. You mentioned Cody Franson already. Neil Manning, Garrett Hunt, Nolan Toigo, and Mike Ruchel is scratched. Because Ruchel is scratched, 15-year-old Evander Kane appears.
1: <laughs> He'd go on to do some things for the, the Giants And
0: then, you know, just
1: play okay in the NHL too Some
0: other things happened That put him in the news yeah. Also, James Wright gets in the lineup around Game 3 Mesnade, uh Scratches were Tyler Swiston, Jordan Hickmont Mark Isherwood, Shane Brown, and Bretton Cameron uh, Matt Lowry drew back Into the lineup after missing Game 6 Jacob Rumble showed up in Game 5 when talking with uh med hat beat reporter darren stank because i was talking to him as well against him not make on of the scratches he said Aaron was basically a healthy scratch at that point the only guy that was really hurt in that series he said was slemko he wasn't sure what it was it was playable but they were stretching him out throughout that series prior to games and during periods from what Stank told me
1: that's pretty like that's pretty good going into a league final to ha- not have it to be dealing with any injuries like I just remember from Mooshaw against Swift-Kern a few years ago, and Mooshaw was completely banged up going
0: into the Eastern Conference Final. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then even, like, you go into, like, even with like Koura, I mean, Franson's out, but he's back for Memorial Cup. That's one of the things I don't think you want to risk him, too, going into Memorial Cup series. But even, like, looking back at the Raiders series last year, no one was, like, it was pretty much healthies at that point of the playoffs that were out for the Raiders, and I think the Giants is, too. So both teams pretty darn good to go through a series like that where you know especially now in the WHL where it's pretty much knockout dragout affairs the way the format is from round one on
1: yeah for sure
0: all right we're finally going to talk about this game it only took a half hour <laughs> let's get to it <laughs> so uh, we already talked a little bit about the atmosphere going into it in the first period the first real chances come from the Giants the first chance comes from Milan Lucic in tight it goes wide and then a couple seconds later we have this Wisnack trying to throw it to McCartle? McCartle
2: turns and shoots that's blocked And Schlemko able to move the puck back into Vancouver's, at least to the neutral zone, where Festerling gets it to Bliznak. Now Bliznak in over the line, throws it in front, on Mahachuk as he anticipated the pass and by the time it got over to Mahachuk, Keatley had taken all the space away from the Vancouver shooter. This is a
3: turnover now in the neutral ice area and Spencer Mahatik, Max Ke- or Keatley has really got Mahachuk's number. This is a nice pass from Plisnak, a quick cross ice pass and Keatley gets over there. If anybody has had trouble getting that puck past the goaltender it's been Spencer Mahachuk. Very square to the shooter, Keatley.
0: Nice save by Matt, to keep the 0-0 early in this first period. Mario Bliznak with a nice feed to a streaking Spencer Mahachek, but Keatley comes across to make the save to keep scores. And As this game goes on, Keatley becomes one of the big stars of the contest, Mark.
1: Oh, 100%. That was, like, my second note that I wrote down is Keatley is the star of this game early on. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: then uh, I, I think I mentioned him three or four times as I was watching the rest of the game. It's just he he's incredible uh, throughout that game.
0: Mm-hmm. So the next uh, sequence actually comes from the Tigers. Uh, Darren Helm finds a streaking Lowry, uh, but it's stopped by Saxmiff. Vancouver gets a penalty uh, at the 11.35 mark of the period. A late hit by Renier on Derek Dorset ends up as a roughing penalty, which leads to this. Ennis, as Medicine Hat sets up the first power play of Game 7.
2: Baldwin does not shoot it. Michael Sauer does, and it's deflected off the target by Helm. Ennis at the side of the net. Helm gets the puck, feeds the point. Michael Sauer over to Gord Baldwin. Back over here to Michael Sauer. Long shot. Goes to Ennis. His shot is stopped by Sexman. Another chance in front. Ball shoots it. Sexman's safe. Rebound again. They score!
0: Michael Sauer, for a shot that goes off, Jonathan Blumman ends up to Tyler Ennis. He takes a side shot to stop by sacks with Brendan Bosch fans on it and a stop twice. and ends up going to Ennis, who puts it home. Tigers, who are 12-0 when scoring first in the playoffs, take a one nothing lead at the 9.06 mark of the period. Tyler Ennis is 8 for the playoffs, assists going to Brendan Bosch and Darren Helm.
1: A big start uh, to the game uh, right there for the Mesnet Tigers to, to get... That one, and, and kind of keep that crowd in the game. They're obviously going to be in that game throughout, but uh, really got them going.
0: I was going to say, the way that arena is and the way the it is, and I especially noticed that when I was there covering it, it would take something to not have fans excited at that arena, it seems. <laughs> oh, I, I
1: agree, I agree. That that place, they're just right on top of you, and i you can under, also understand why we have to deal with some fog later on in, in May in Medicine at.
0: <laughs> you don't say. More on that in a little bit. I'm going to say, if you're a WHL connoisseur, you already know that's going to be a big talking point in this game. Uh, next sequence, uh, there's, they're starting to get a little bit more physical. Lowry somehow gets a breakaway that goes over the net. They have 732 left in the first period. This happens. Wright takes a shot. That doesn't reach the net. Wright again following it up with Krauss.
2: J.D. Watts in front. There's a passing! one. a
0: doorstep. Wright gets the puck out of a corner and finds a streaking JD Watt who is just stone cold by Keatley Once again Keatley standing out here in the opening frame.
1: Yeah he was just lights out throughout that opening period.
0: Right after that Watt almost ends the life of Chris Russell but Russell avoids it from being hit by JD (laughs) Watt. Uh, Giants then get called on two penalties uh, holding penalty Bliznak on Dorsett and then a tripping penalty about a minute later Spencer Prohzak gets called for getting a stick on Chris Russell. Nothing happens though on that 5-on-3 Giants kill it off. Right after that sequence Bill Wilms is talking about this is a close checking series how the WHL that year had no 50 goal scorer 100 point player. That's true. Zach Hamill had 93 points lead the way for Everett and Mark logo of Brandon had 46 points. By comparison for 100 point players the OHL and the QMJHL had 9 guys. Yeah.
1: That, that, that kind of leveled out uh, as we get later into the 2000s <laughs> uh, where the WHL started to open up a little bit but they were Definitely behind the times uh, of the OHL in the Q when it came to, to opening up offensively.
0: By comparison, Patrick Kane had 145 points lead to the OHL in scoring that year, <laughs> and John Tavares had 72 goals. That's the, those
1: those guys were uh, you know st- they stood out a little bit more than that in that season.
0: <laughs> the wacky Q, by the way, guys you've probably never heard of Mark Francis Bouchard and Thomas Beauregard from Baycombe and Aqly Bathurst, respectively, 125 points and 71 goals
1: well
0: done uh in the queue <laughs> <laughs> we call that a Tuesday in the queue these days yeah that pretty much wraps up the first period Tigers lead one nothing. shots are 10-7 for the Giants at that point uh any thoughts on the opening frame we talked about Keatley a lot but anything else stand out
1: uh just it, the opening period was pretty back and forth um and but yeah Keatley really stood out uh, throughout that whole period um he was the he was the star of that opening frame
0: for both teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the intermission sequence, There's an interview of Colin Galant with the that News. I yelled in the original stream this game, "Put Stanks on you cowards!" Because I've met Stanks <laughs> now. Uh, and then we also have a sign: "Hey Watt, you're about as useful as a one-legged waitress at the IHOP." Zing! I don't think the zing is necessary there. <laughs> no,
1: I think the. the- <laughs>
0: statement implied was a thing uh and they mentioned with uh i was talking to stanks about this about Watt as well they pretty much hated him in uh med hat at that point in the series he really kind of built up that rivalry there especially with the giants and the tigers last for a couple more seasons and he said Watt at that point i mean he doesn't have the points to show up he's probably more skilled than he was before becoming pretty much a pugilist at the minor pro level for a couple of years of calgary draft pick at that point I mean, that was his breakout year, 34 goals in the regular season. We've seen in this game, he only had two goals in the playoffs, but probably a guy that could have had the way he played in that series or in that playoffs more than just two goals in that playoff run. Yeah, he was definitely uh, the,
1: a key part of that Vancouver team throughout the season and um, just, yeah, didn't really have the breakout playoffs, but was uh, clearly played a role. Uh, you know, that's kind of what you have to do in the playoffs. It seems like there's guys that maybe had bigger offensive years in the in the regular season, but then kind of settle into a, a certain role throughout a playoff run.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, second period gets underway. The Giants get called for tripping. He aforementioned, JD Watt takes down Kevin Understreet behind the net. I'm still not sure where the penalty was on that, but what would be a WHL game? Where I wasn't questioning a junior hockey official, really. When you think about it, Mark. No, never. <laughs> <laughs> the, the key for Natsing is just two things. He, a couple minutes, in, or a couple se- uh, about 40 seconds into the power play. Darren Helm decides a dimsy doodle Mohacek right in front of Matt Keatley. I about had a stroke seeing that. And then <laughs> uh, Giants get a shorthanded rush um, as it is McArdle going down the ice with um, Kraus. I'm trying to remember his first, Tim Kraus. Um, he feeds it to McArdle in front, backhand goes wide. Fraus fans on a pass especially had an open case to shoot at, so they were just about made it 1-0 or 1-1 one, one handed before that penalty gets killed off.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was... They were right there a couple of times, right there early in that period.
0: Mm-hmm. 1431 left on the clock, but Hacek wraps around a backhand to somehow stop by a setting Keatley. Dorset is called for roughing in all of this. I think it's for running McArdle over way after the whistle had blown in all that sequence. Dorsten McArdle going at it again. Who knew? Oh, yeah, that wasn't a storyline coming in at all. <laughs> so we go to Giants power play, and this happens. Michael Sauer will get it back again.
2: Sauer tying up the puck back of the net. Rabbit trying to dig it free. He does. Feel it. Brepik. on the far boards. Blum sneaking in. There's the pass. Doesn't get there. Rebound score. Rabbit ties it on the power play. Game seven is tied 1-1 at 7.07 of the second period. You just felt it was a matter of time because Vancouver had so
3: much pressure. Then they ended up getting that power play with Dorset in the box. Repic sets his play up. He's at the half wall in the offensive zone. He has his head up. He just feels the puck. Look at that. He doesn't even look down at the puck. Gets the shot. Tries to get one back door where Blum's going to come in, that puck then ends up on Rabbit's stick, and the key there for Rabbit is to go upstairs, he had to go up under the crossbar to beat Keatley from that position, but it was again a good play
0: by Repick to slow things down at the half wall and make something happen in the offensive zone. Repick's pass doesn't quite get there to Blum, it goes off of Russell Skates and onto the stick of Waycey Rabbit, who blasted for the slot past Keatley. His 11th in the postseason, Rebic and AJ Phelan end up getting an assist on the play. Uh, 6.07 mark of the second period. We are now tied up at one.
1: Big goal to, to get the mess, our Vancouver into this game. Uh, they, they looked like Keatley was going to just continue to shut the door on them uh, early in that period, but uh, they finally broke through.
0: Mm-hmm. Then we get a keatley show here for the next little bit this all happens in about a minute span a puck shimmies past michael Sauer. mccardo races and gets to it russell's coming on an angle and catches him just as McCar- uh, mccardo gets a launch shot. his glove by Ke- keatley then lucha tries to pass to rabbit in the corner it takes a wild bounce right in front of repic and tight alone keatley robs him then rapid from the slot is stopped by keatley again then my next notes are in a 10 second sequence rip evander kane by chris stevens then kane almost kills dorsett Kane is fitting in already into the Giants' system. Yeah, he seems like he, he's uh, going to
1: settle in nicely to playing that uh, kind of style for the next few years with Vancouver.
0: The Giants pretty much are in control the next little bit. Russell with a big block and a shot by Lance Boma. Lance Boma getting a mention on the program. Then Rebecca with a quick yeah, shot off the draw. A glove save by Keatley. It's a play that he ran a couple of times in that game. The Tigers then get their first two changes in quite a while um, as Dane Todd is stopped by Sex with 3.32 left on the clock. Then with 1.48 left, this happens. And
2: all of a sudden, the Tigers have had the puck down here for the last couple of minutes. Boma, though, sends it down the ice. Will it be far enough for icing? No. Russell hustles it down. And he'll slow it down. That's what I love about this game.
3: The surges that both teams are able to exert. Helm going right in. goal. he hit the
2: post! Helm hit the post! What a great rush by Darren Helm and he almost had the 2-1 goal there. And meantime, Keatley has it roll on to him, and he'll freeze it, and the Tigers were a goal post slash crossbar away from taking a late second period lead. Well, this time Chris Russell says, I'm not gonna go coast to coast, I'll give it to Darren
3: Helm. Sit back and enjoy this one, folks, this is pretty. Blum hasn't got a chance to make that play on Elm. He's, watch where the puck hits.
0: This game stays 1-1 with 137 left second period. Helm takes the pass from Russell. He gets by Boma and just undresses Jonathan Blum. Glows glove side on Tyson Sexsmith, but he rings it off the post.
1: That was, uh, that was tight. That was, <laughs> that, that, that was uh, a very tight chance. I, I thought, uh, they were going in there.
0: Then, immediately afterwards, this.
2: Helms' first point of the playoffs finals was last night. He scored the game-winning goal, and he had an assist on the first marker here tonight. Meantime, Lucic, drop around, 10 they score! The Giants have taken a 2-1 win it's Michael Repic, the recipient of the wraparound. Lucic set it up, so moments after Helm hits the crossbar,
0: it's the Giants who take a late second period lead here in Game 7. Lucic gets the puck off the faceoff, makes a great wraparound play, and finds Repick, who puts on his tenth of the postseason. Lucic and Repick with the assists on the play with 1.30 left to go in the period, 18.30 gone in the frame, it's 2-1 Vancouver.
1: Repick had such a good playoff, like 26 points, 22 games, 10 goals. That was uh, quite the run for him. He, he led the way.
0: And that line too was probably the best line for either side throughout that game.
1: Yeah, they they were they were consistently in the offensive end, uh,
0: putting pressure on. mm Hmm. So Gi- Tigers do get one more chance, about 20 seconds after that goal. Chris Russell's point shot is nearly tipped in by Tyler Ennis. Period ends 2-1 Vancouver. Shots are 23-16 to for the Giants, 13-9 into period. But the period as a whole, Mark, pretty much controlled by Vancouver.
1: Yeah, that was a, a big sw- switch from the first. Like, the first was much more back and forth, but the second, uh, Vancouver really took a, a little bit uh, to to kind of take over the game. And uh, and they had control going into the third. You could definitely feel it in the uh, the arena a little
0: bit. Uh, my only other note from the intermission. Ron Toigo is riding, rocking a sweet ass leather jacket. <laughs> Always. got to have that jacket. We need more sweet ass leather jackets in junior hockey. That's all i got to say. Anyway. It, 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 there's not enough of it. <laughs> uh, we go into the third period of play. Again. The uh, Giants are pretty much in control of things. Luigi's a replica quick chance. They're stopped by Keatley uh nothing too much happens there then we start to get a few chances here by the tigers here all over the giants internet carried a wraparound attempt to stop by sex smith um Watson's shot that is uh, stopped from the side of the net and then giants get called for a delay of game as Renier backhands into row Z falling that sustained pressure from the tigers power play a few things happen on it uh it's a Tigers to trying to get that tie goal. Sexif stops the Russell shot of all sorts of traffic. Another shot by Russell. Big rebound in the slot. It's cleared away. And a mad scramble following a Gordy Baldwin point shot. Ennis and Bosch are in there, but it's cleared out. Giants able to kill that one off. Then right after that, about, I would say about 20 seconds or about 30 seconds or so after penalty is killed, uh, Ennis steals the puck away from AJ Filling in the corner. He's in tight backhander stopped by Sexif. A huge dog pile ensues. As the whistle blows, Bosch and Jarrett Sauer banging away at it. Video review is called, but no goal on that one. And they mentioned as well, this is the first year in the league where there was actual video review on plays. Ah,
1: I didn't know that was the first year.
0: Apparently so. And now we don't have it this year because of the pandemic. No, what fun <laughs> we'll have during games this year. Hope hope you're not betting on a swift current moose Jaw game for an over under on goals and you lose money on it.
1: Is that allowed? Can I do that?
0: Um, I'm sure uh, we'll call Byron Hackett after this program is done. They'll be in hard. charge of his bookie uh, Right after that sequence the giant ends up with a three-on-one McArdle takes a shot that rings off the crossbar and out of play That was a pretty big chance there as well and I don't know if McArdle realized it was a three-on-one when he took that shot
1: Yeah, he, uh, he had a lot more time and, and could have probably got that across But got a good shot off and got a good chance
0: Mhm. Uh, shortly after, uh, I almost said Patrick Kane. Roll corruption. Shortly after Evander Kane to stop then type 921 left, Blum with a point shot is stopped by Keeley. He holds in the scramble thanks to Baldwin putting the puck underneath him. At that point, halfway through the frame, the Tigers just had one shot on goal compared to Vancouver's six. and that really uh, came out. They. they uh,
1: you got to think Willie Desjardins got them going uh, in that intermission, and they had a a good start to the the third.
0: Mm -hmm. 8.48 left, we have this.
2: Here's Russell off the wing, putting it wide of the net. Schlemko dumping it down low. Helm trying to center it. Bosch missed it. Followed up, but intercepted by Boma. He gets it out. Here's a break. It's McRipick, rather. Turn! Save the series for Medicine Hat he's doing everything he can it's still 2-1 and it's all thanks to Keatley.
0: rabbit with a lob pass to Rabbit who has Russell on him he turns and shoots and lo and behold Matt Keatley shuts the door again that proves to be important because a minute later this happens. Lucic puts the puck back in the Medicine Hat territory.
2: Michael Sauer hard around these near boards. Crouse intercepts JD Watt Trying to settle it down. He's pushed down by Baldwin. Kraus in there. Tigers get it. Here they come. Stevens, poke check by Ragner. Lead pass up for Watt misses him. Could be icing. No, waved off. Tigers clear it. And out to center. It's gobbled up there by Dorset. Up to Stevens. Here's his shot. And Stevens, it's makes the save. Stevens again from a sharp angle. And a wraparound attempt. Stevens puts it in front.
0: After Stevens is stopped twice, a wraparound play finds Todd. After the first pass is blocked to the other side of net, he puts a backhander past Saksmith. The arena goes nuts. Todd sent for to the playoffs. Stevens and Dorsett with the assist at 12-10. We are now tied up at two.
1: That, that arena was amazing to see <laughs> during that call. I, I literally, I had to go back and rewind it a couple of times because I just wanted to just see the eruption, but uh, Todd with a great individual play to, to set that one up and, and get the puck into the back of the net to, to get the uh, Tigers level with the uh, Giants uh, midway through
0: that period. Then it's pretty much all hell breaking loose for next little bit. About a minute after that goal, Rabbit stops and finds Phelan open. Feeling shot goes wide. Helm takes a shot with everyone in front of the net, but it goes to the side. Bosch is in tight. I uh, can't get uh, in tight to Grant who's falling, but can't get a stick on the backhander. Lucic just misses, redirecting a 3.14 left. My note, kind of going off Mark said, this rink is bonkers. <laughs> Rink's bonkers. The,
1: the game, just like, uh, yeah, as you said, just went to another level after that uh, tying goal.
0: Minute and a half left. Michael Sauer will lose the puck at center. Repic takes it. He waits and feeds the rabbit who just tips it wide. And then just listen to the final minute of the third period. Hard to find more entertaining hockey than the Western Hockey League. Played like this. Blum and Dorsett
2: battling a minute five remaining in game seven third period and still everything's on the line. Giants get the puck out the hot chick with McCardle. Blum heads to the net there's the pass and Keeley makes the save. off a Big Blum and look at the Tigers here they come. Dorsett two on one passes intercepted by Festerling. Chances at both ends here in the final minute unbelievable rabbit through the neutral zone still going rabbit can't get the shot away what a period he's having what a game rabbits having Mickelson back to feeling 25 seconds to go rabbit couldn't get the puck undershoot trying to get it rabbit can't get a stick on it. Wazden puts it in. Giants flip it out. 10 seconds to go. Michael Sauer with it. Lead pass. And can you believe it? We
0: are going to sudden death overtime. Game 7. Do you want more of this great hockey? You just got some more. A lot is happening here. 55 seconds left. 3-on-2 rush by Giants. Mahacek finds an open Jonathan Blum, who was stoned by Kaylee Then the Tigers go the other way in a 2-on-1 rush. Dorsett tries to feed it to Helm who's blocked by Fessling and 34 seconds left. Rabbit splits the D and tries to dangle around Chris Russell and knocks the puck away. Whew! It's 2-2 after 60 minutes. Shots are 32 to 24 Giants, 9-8 in the third period. What a frame.
1: That whole final minute was like enough chances for a whole period. <laughs> it, like it was just I, I couldn't even breathe watching that final minute.
0: Um so again, this is the second time watching this. For me, the first time I was going bonkers at the office. I was getting looks, which is normal at the office when you think about it. Anyway, I was going to say that's a, that's a regular
1: Tuesday.
0: I was going to say you've hung around me for two and a half years in Moose Jaw. <laughs> you know how I am. <laughs> so we go to sure. we go to overtime. The first WHL finals to have one in a game seven. There's ice issues behind the Zamboni and just behind the uh, net, which delays the start of the period uh, a little bit. Um, First real note of overtime was 16.45 on the clock. Watt tries to dump the puck at center ice, stick wax there Helm in the face, the fans want to call, but nothing's coming, and then the fog starts to roll in.
1: Yeah, the fog kind of messes with the flow of this period, <laughs> uh, but it's it, it seems like neither team could really get going just due to the, the constant uh, stoppages. Mm-hmm. We have the first one early in the...
0: the- the first big overtime exactly that comes about 14:35 left on the clock as both teams skate around to break up the fog uh the first real chance for the Tigers comes a two on one stevens fakes a shot he passes doorstep and he misses the mark there's another skater around with 10:22 left to dissipate the fog um, then we have this offensive zone face
2: off one by the tigers Dane todd trying to get a shot away could not nicholson now up for boma boma tipping the puck out to center ice todd has it he and jd watt collide Kraus trying to protect the puck, brings it in over the line, Dorsett checking him, but it goes to Boma, Watt's in front of the net, there's a shot, there's a rebound, What? Stopped by Keatley! Wow! What a save by Keatley! With the pad! Unbelievable! J.D. Watt with Vancouver's best chance, and he has the puck again only
0: for a moment. One flame draft pick, stopped by another. To keep this series going, Bomo with an angle shot stops the puck, it bounces in front, and Keely with a huge left pad save to rob J.D. Watt once again.
1: Yeah, Keely again, just back-to-back saves in this uh, in this OT to, to kind of keep messing had in this game and and make sure it gets to that double overtime.
0: Six twenty-one left. and Ennis feeds it to Bosch in front of the in front of a faceoff. It goes wide. Dan Russell right here is starting to speak complete gibberish. <laughs>
1: Russell was great. <laughs> his call
0: of this game was so much fun. He's just losing it as it's going on, which kind of I am as well. Uh, Boma works his way in front, but the puck works way rolls away from before he gets a shot on Keatley. There's another skate around for fog with five oh five left, and we get an interview at this point with Commissioner Ron Robinson.
2: Let's go to Barry Strader. Barry.
0: Thanks very much, Dan. I'm with the commissioner of the Western
1: Hockey League, Ron Robinson. Ron, we have an unusual situation here tonight with the fog. Uh, how is the Western Hockey League dealing with it? Well we certainly had a little bit of everything in the series obviously tonight's game as
2: well but we're really concerned about the visual ability of the players to see the puck and make sure from a goaltender standpoint in particular that they don't have any difficulty in that area and, and the safety of the players as well has to be taken into account but seems to be working with the players coming out uh, periodically to clear the uh, clear the humidity from the ice. At what point would the league consider calling this
1: game and finishing it uh, tomorrow maybe.
2: Well, I think there'd be a riot in Medicine Hat if we did that obviously you know we'll uh, play this game out uh, the ice conditions appear to be good. We've corrected that problem behind the net and and uh, we just got to deal with the uh, building quite frankly that's not capable of handling this type of humidity.
1: That's what you were saying earlier, it's just a fact that these buildings were not constructed to be playing hockey in the middle of May. Well, that's right. When you get a 30, 40-year-old building like this, many of them don't have the air-conditioning systems, circulation that we need. And uh, But we're going to deal with it and get through it. Okay, well, hopefully we can get through this game tonight. Uh, thanks very much for joining us, Ron. Thanks, Barry. I loved the uh, the question of asking if the game was going to be stopped because of the fog and and. And Robinson's just like, I think we'd have a riot in Medicine Hat if, if we tried to stop this game and play it tomorrow.
0: To be fair, I kind of want to see a riot. Let's let's make this true old-school WHL. Bring out Patty Janelle, and let's go. <laughs> let's get a riot going. Uh, right after the riot discussion, Undershoot gets a chance at the face-off, and it's stopped by Sexsmith. Uh, Derek Dorset is stopped and closed by Sexsmith about 10 seconds later. Blum and Stevens are whacking away each other behind the net. Stevens is called for slashing, Possibly because he whacked Tyson sex with after whistle and is called for roughing. It's four on four. Nothing happens though. uh 125 left. Glass uh shot is stopped as the puck came out to so Bosch into Sot and he whiffs on it. By the way, the fog bowl photo that's used for this podcast uh artwork, that shot comes from that sequence. If you look at the clock, one twenty five left or so, and Bosch is just about to fan on that shot in front. Bosch will be important here in a few minutes. We now go to the final 40 seconds of overtime, which are just as nuts as the last minute of the third period. Absolutely outstanding entire playoff for Festerling.
3: Equally good for Stevens, a couple 20-year-olds. Only three allowed on your team, and boy, they've been good ones on both these squads. Keatley, a 20-year-old, we might mention Dorsett, the other one for Medicine Hat, Thielen, Festerling.
2: And Russell gets stripped of the puck. Here's Mohachik moving in, shooting, and Keatley makes that save. Michael Sauer back of the net. Lots of fog as McArdle tries to come out of that fog with the puck. Instead it's Stevens. Still time here. Dorsett holding it. Dorsett, what's he gonna do? Shot on goal rebound in front of the net. And Sexton holds it out. Mahatcha gets possession. Oh, the slowest of developing plays there almost leads to the game winning goal. And how about this? If one overtime isn't enough, can you stand double overtime in game seven of the Western Hockey League championship series?
3: This is how close we came to having this game and Dorsett Hoag in that puck waiting for it, getting the shot, getting his own rebound. Bliznack in front of the net does the job defensively right there on Todd. Nobody could get their puck on their stick on that puck credit Bliznak for making sure that Todd in front of the net was not gonna Get it right there Dorsett was the only one that had a chance to get his own rebound And we're still tied at two at the end of that first overtime
2: period Tigers with ten shots on goal in that period Six for Vancouver
0: i do- sorry. Go ahead Mark Sorry, yeah I was just gonna say again back and forth in the, in the final
1: minute they, these two teams uh definitely turn it up uh, and don't lay off in, the, in that final minute
0: during that sequence you heard Bill Williams talking about the overage players for both teams Chris Russell was tripped up in his own end Mohacic gets the puck but nothing major happens then Derek Torsett my goodness just dangles around frestling a stop and then his backhander goes wide. He's trying to get it to Todd, who's covered by a bliznack. How he was able to get a chance like that in the final 10 seconds is beyond me. Two chances, in fact. Yeah, it was...
1: That uh, was an incredible sequence. Uh, I how, how that puck didn't go into the net was beyond me,
0: too. 2-2 after 80 minutes of play. Shots at 38-34 for the Giants. 10-6 in overtime for the Tigers. The first time all-game where really he lead-in shots during the period. And like you said, the fog... Affects the flow a bit But it also adds to The, the ambiance of this whole thing
1: Oh 100% The old arena And the, the fog and, and just kind of the It felt like a A game from the, the 60s or 70s And uh, um, They alluded to The the fog game In the NHL From the 70s uh, A couple of times During it But it was Yeah it had A great feel to that game But definitely uh, Kind of messed with the flow But we still got some Some crazy action there Late in the period
0: Mm-hmm. So when it comes to the second overtime leading into it. Dan Russell basically implies that this should be for the Memorial Cup and that the OHL and the Q would fold. Fast forward a decade later, and the Dub might hope for that to win a tournament game. Woo! Hate, 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 Whoa. hate. <laughs> hate, hate, hate. Listen, my league hasn't started again. It might not have started ever again. So, damn it, I'm trying to get my shots in when I can. Damn, Greyhounds. Anyway, <laughs> stupid, sexy OHL. Does, does the Dub,
1: by fault, get the Memorial Cup if they're the only
0: league playing? Well, the Q's been playing, so they will have a... <laughs> yeah, that's true. Don't give it Uh, to They don't matter (laughs) Wow (laughs) I think they've won The last two tournaments Anyway uh... That's true Wilms was roaming around the building um, talking to some fans from Medicine and they said this is the best WH hockey team ever seen. Not just this season, but ever. We'll discuss that a little bit more in the outro to this. Uh, they're also talking about how they hope this game doesn't end in a puck over a glass rule penalty, which needs to be changed. Having talked to Les week about this before, Les would fight and die over this issue. Because Les said, I've been to games where guys would just start shooting out with five minutes to go and kill any flow of a game.
1: <laughs> it's, it's a... Yeah, I get both I, This is an argument That I definitely See both sides of I hate the penalty But I also Understand
0: It's Necessary evil mm-hmm. You'll find out More about this When we do the 2019 league final When poor Brett Leeson gets called For that in overtime Prior to Dante Hinoon Overtime winning goal For the Raiders Also the fog Doesn't seem to be As bad in the second Overtime There's no delay For it as there Was in the first When he had at least Three or four
1: Someone turned on The fans or <laughs> something <laughs>
0: They're like Hey you guys Want to take care of this Nah
1: Nah, we're good.
0: Oh, man. So, uh, the overtime, really not as many chances. There's one of 17.49 left on the clock. Todd of a loose tuck, puck. gets a backhand pass to Lowry in front. and shoots it wide. Then, with 12.44 left, this. Mohacic throws it at
2: the net. And Bliznak tips it off the target. Bliznak throws it at the net again. mccardle has got the puck. McArdle coming off the boards. It rolls off McArdle's stick. And Bosch and Mahatik battle, battling. Here comes Bosch. The speed for shooting. The Tigers
0: will walk through the front door at the Memorial Cup Tournament, but the Giants, they'll walk right through it with them, really. Bosch gets the puck off on McArdle, who's losing it in a battle with Michael Sauer. Mahajek uh, knocks him down, but Bosch gets back up, takes it up to the slot with Russell alongside of him, shoots it blocker side. It's Bedlin hat Bosch is seventh of the postseason. Assist goes to glass, which is impressive, seeing that I don't think he's on the ice at all when this is happening. At the 7-16 mark of overtime, Tigers win 3-2.
1: Just uh, kind of a, the kind of goal you expect in a double OT of a Game 7 of a league final. Um, and, and kind of reminiscent, I, it reminded me a lot of Iserman's goal against the Blues. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of the famous one. Uh, where he's cutting across the zone and just shoots it far side. Uh, nice nice little shot to the far side blocker. And uh, big goal uh, there for Bosch, I'm sure. He's never bought a drink again in Madison Hat.
0: He may never have bought a drink again in Martinsville where he's from. Let's be honest here. <laughs> It's true so finals that's bosch with a goal and assist keely 37 saves for giants rabbit and repic of goal and assist sex with 34 saves keely is named playoff mvp rightly so 16 and 7 yeah. record 218 goals against average 9 16 and 4 shutouts i think whoever won this series is going to for the starting goalie was going to get playoff mvp because sex with 14 and 7 179 914 and 4 shutouts they were that good in the yeah. series sex with maybe not as good oh. as Keatley was in this game but if you look at the series and we talked about it Earlier on, definitely was just as, was right with Keatley throughout the whole playoff.
1: Yeah, just uh, both incredible performances from those two goalies. Uh, the kind of thing you really need to to win a title.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see what else do we have here of note as we take a look here, uh, looking at the, some of the stats. You mentioned Rappick earlier. He led the playoffs in scoring, twenty six and twenty two. Uh, four more than Darren Helm Russell was a top defensive scorer with 19 points 23 games. Schlemko had 16, 23, for the Tigers. Also, no repeat champion. The closest since then came in the Edmonton Portland trilogy. Edmonton won in 2012, lost in 2013 to Portland, and then in 2014, Portland lost to Edmonton. And you mentioned about the other three games, the other game seven, there's been three since then, both in the Edmonton and Portland series. 2012, Edmonton wins at home 4 1. Edmonton 2014 becomes the first ever team to win Game 7 on the road in a league final, beating uh, the Portland Winterhawks in that one. That was after Portland came back to win Game 6 in overtime. And then the Raiders-Giants' last WHL final to date. Raiders lead the Series 3-1. Giants win 4-3 in Vancouver. Sorry, Langley. And then 4-2 in Prince Albert for Dante Hanoon's Game 7 overtime winner, 3-2 at the Art Houser Center.
1: Which includes one of the most epic videos ever shot of a game-winning goal.
0: Uh, in the celebration afterwards. <laughs> exactly. All right. So the Memorial Cup is next. Uh, Briz, how things go? Vancouver wins game one of the series and round or the series. It's now a series apparently. and Apparently <laughs> turning into the old school Memorial Cup format. <laughs> um, Twenty game series between Vancouver and Red Hat because Plymouth loses and Louisiana weren't allowed to come over. Yeah,
1: let, let's do
0: it. Branch is bandy American teams. <laughs> Anywho, uh, first game in the round round, Vancouver wins 4-3 in overtime. McArdle's the overtime hitter, overtime hero, I should say. Uh, Neil and Lucic with two goals. Lewiston beats Medhat 3-1 thanks to Jonathan Bernier's 30-save performance. Vancouver against Lewiston on the next round round game. is strong again, 31 saves. McCardle and Rabbit score in the third to get a 2-1 win. Ennis with two goals and two assists and a 4-1, 4-1 over Plymouth. Plymouth needs to win their last game of the round robin to force a tiebreaker against Lewiston. They do. Evan Brofies ties the game with a minute, 12 left. Andrew Forney, the overtime hero. Bernie, 37 saves as the Warriors win 2-1. Game 8 of the WHL final goes to Madison Hat. <laughs> Derek set the lone goal. Keatley, 29 saves as they win that one, 1-0. Tiebreaker. Bernie suffers an ankle injury and leaves after the first period. Plymouth controls things from there. 5-1 over Lewiston. Neil and Tom Sosito with two goals and an assist. Then the OHL fails me. They lose eight one to Vancouver. <laughs> Repick with two goals and an assist. Lucic with three assists. Then the final game nine, the WHL championship. Vancouver gets the last laugh three one over Medicine Hat. Repick scores at the 1505 mark of the third. Mahajack and Mcnetter. Giants dominate the shots department, 40 to 15. Lucic's tournament MVP. Repick top scorer and Keatley top goalie. I remember a lot about that tournament in pieces. Obviously, there's that famous Lucic shift mark, but also the crowds for that. Se- uh Memorial Cup pretty much almost a sellout all the way through
1: yeah there was I I was actually just looking at that 16,000 for the final like those are some some very big crowds and uh Vancouver uh, gives them something to cheer about uh to take the title
0: Mm -hmm. um I want to ask you a little bit about McArdle because you got to see him quite a bit obviously we saw what he does here in the 07 season but going back to 06 just kind of what was kind of his you know, when he was with the Warriors during that time, what kind of role did he bring and kind of what he added to life? Because he had been there basically since he'd been drafted, I'm pretty sure.
1: Yeah, he, uh, he was just brought that that speed game. But also the he, for a guy that, you know, the year before, in, or for back-to-back years in Moose shot uh, almost 30 goals and he and 70 points, um, he could bring the physical game, bring the, 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 the offensive game. He was just a good all-round uh, forward uh, for the Warriors uh, those few years. Um, and and a really big piece of that team that went to the WHL final, um, and then eventually got to go to the WHL final again with uh, with Vancouver and, and pick up that Memorial
0: Cup. Mm-hmm. So looking ahead to the following season, uh, on the giant side of things, Newfeld goes back to Grand Prairie. Hey, Tiger got Emerson Eden for him. It's worked out for everybody in the end. Uh, defensive side of things, Nolan Toggle goes to the BCHL. Festerling Francis, Brendan Mickelson, A.J. Thielen, all-turned-pro. Festerling and Mickelson in the Anaheim system. Thielen to in the ECHL. Francis to National Predators. Uh, forward side of things, Milan Lucic and Wayce Rabbit end up with Boston. Kendall Carl goes to Florida. A couple of trades take place on June 13th. J.D. Watts to Red Deer for Mike Brubay. Conditional pick in 2008. A third-rounder became Luke Fensk. Uh, Tim Kraus goes to Regina with Yuri Valich on September 28th for Craig Shearer and Mike Reich. And then Ruchel ends up going back to Lethbridge on waivers the uh, overage move at the deadline and as part of left bridge's team that goes to a league final as for the Giants tile defense they had 106 points 49 15 and 8 record 22 up on Kelowna for the BC division title two points back of Tri-City and one point back of Spokane to uh in the race for the overall western conference standings they swept Chilliwack in the first round a game three triple overtime winner by Craig Cunningham was also in this game in his rookie season by the way Uh, and then they lose in Game 6 to the eventual champion Spokane Chiefs. They made the conference final again in 2009 and 2010. They had 119 points in 2009, which normally would win you a regular season championship, but they were three back of the Calgary (laughs) Hitmen. Which normally... They're also 21 points ahead of the Kelowna Rockets, but lose in the conference final in six games. The eventual WHL champions, uh, Michael Backlund, the overtime hero in Game 6. That was after a hellacious series of Spokane, a four-overtime game in Game 5, a two-overtime game in Game 6, and then overtime hero uh, Nick Ross to the Giants in Game 7. So I'm not sure how much they had left for the Rockets. No, the, not much left in the tank
1: after that Uh battle of a, a couple
0: of a series uh in 2010 they had 88 points to win the bc division um which was worse than the top four teams in the u.s division that year they end up losing in sixth to tri-city in the conference final and don't win another playoff series until their 2019 league final run when they lost to the raiders in game seven overtime spoilers i'll probably be a future episode of this program uh <laughs> scott bonner departs after 2016 he's now becoming player agent with the, NHL, with the NHL, and Hay leaves in 2014 to go back to Canloos, where he had coached during their real run of success uh, during the 90s. Any thoughts on the Giants, for we move on to the future of the Tigers?
1: Uh, yeah, they, they've had some down years recently, but uh, also had quite the run there uh, to start off their, their time as a franchise in the WHL. Uh, yeah, the one title and uh, quite a few years in the, in the playoffs right away. Um, so, Good run for them, uh, but yeah, they they had some uh, rough years uh, recently, but uh, as I said, got back to the league final again a couple years ago there and and had a a nice 101-point season that year.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, When it comes to the Tigers, Matt Keatley signs with the Calgary Flames during the Memorial Cup and starts his pro career there. Defensive side of things, Gord Baldwin ends up in the Calgary system, Michael Sauer to the Rangers, David Schlemko to Arizona, Chris Russell to Columbus, Trevor Glass is traded to Spokane at the trade deadline for two draft picks, a 3rd in 2008, Todd Fidler, and the 2nd in 2010, Brennan Hunker. Forward side of things, Derek Dorsett goes to Columbus, Darren Helms to the Detroit Red Wings, uh, Chris Stevens goes to ECHL, Rumpel goes back to the Republic, and there's a lot of trade to take place. Tyler Swisson goes to Portland for 4th on August 17th, that 4th goes to Vancouver, becomes Spencer Crowe. Uh, in that deal, the Tigers get Thomas Frazzi. Uh, Kevin Undershoot goes to Portland on September 27th for a 4th in 2008, With Seattle eventually eventually use a Colin Jacobs. Prior to that, Matt Lowry to Brand on September 13th for a 6th in 2008. Portland takes Jory Jazderbesky. I just butchered his name, I'm sure. I apologize. <laughs> and then November 28th, Scott Watson goes to Kansas with 7th in 2008. Christopher Mahonis for Travis Dunstall. Their tile defense... The Tigers finished third in the Central with 93 points, 43, 22, and 7. Fourth in the, West, or in the Eastern Conference, a super close Eastern Conference that year. Calgary led up with 99 points. Moose Jaw was eighth with 88 points. They'd end up losing, the Tigers, that is, to Kootenay in five games in the opening round. And the closest they'd come to the league final since was making the conference finals in 2011 and 2014. They were swept by the Kootenai Ice in 2011 as part of the Ice's Wild Runs League Championship, then lost in five games to Edmonton in 2014. Prior to that, though, they came back from a 3-1 series deficit to beat the ice in the quarterfinal round. Desjardins leaves the Tigers after the 2010 season to become an assistant with the Dallas Stars. He returns and is head coach GM currently as we record this. Any thoughts on the Tigers' future here? As I get Todd. to mention Todd Fiddler on a podcast. <laughs>
1: Todd Fiddler, Thomas Frazee, some uh, some great um, you know guys who played a short time with the Warriors. Uh, didn't exactly work out for the Warriors uh, in those situations. Um but no, the Tigers have been one of the most consistent teams uh, over the last twenty years in, in the WHL. Only one missed playoffs uh, in that time, and uh, they they all play a similar style. Like th- that championship team, they they still play that way the, the small, gritty guys that uh, play hard. And um, it doesn't it makes sense that Sean Clouston was on Desjardins' staff
0: that year and I uh, was the, the guy who took over for him and then uh, was eventually replaced that's by Desjardins again <laughs> yeah that's my note looking at the time wow small of forwards what a shock <laughs> yeah
1: yeah it was the, the, just watching the style of play there it was exactly how they still play and it, it was interesting to see that 13 14 years later that's exactly what they still do
0: now i know the answer to this i think but would you recommend this game <laughs> Uh, yes, I would 100% recommend you sit down and watch
1: this game if you're a fan of junior hockey or, or hockey in general just it's such a fun hockey game. The atmosphere in the arena, the old arena is is incredible and um, I think anyone would enjoy it.
0: Yeah if you is, just wanna, just
1: want to go to the third period in OT and watch that that's more than enough.
0: yeah for definitely easy recommendation for me as well. Um, I haven't watched back the game 7 that I covered here between the Tigers, or Tigers, that'd be role corruption, uh, the Giants and the Raiders um, from 2019. I was in the building for that, that's going to say that a little bit more, but it feels like it It doesn't let up this game, especially later in the period, it's a lot more fire wagon y uh, it feels like compared to the game that I, I got to see in person. Granted, I got to see that series all the way through, so I know a lot more of the storylines. That one stands out a little bit to me. I think that episode would be fun to do with someone who's never watched that game so or was yeah. in the building for it. But yeah, it just feels like you know both games are different. It Obviously, goes go to overtime. Poor Giants fans. But it's, a, it's um different game compared to the one here, uh, but still a lot of fun to watch. I know you got to see that game live in 2019. I don't know if you've seen it since. Uh, watching on a stream, but I feel like that game's a little bit different in how it plays out compared to this one.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Yeah, this one uh, just – it kept building. Like, it just – like, that second period – first period was back and forth, and then Giants kind of take over in the second, and then more back and forth in the third, and then Tigers uh, control early and get that goal, and then back and forth again, and and OT was – outside of the fog was a little interesting and then in the the second overtime just the the big goal so uh, it was was a a great game Mm
0: -hmm. well Mark thanks for doing this unfortunately Brian Schneider could not join us but I'm sure he'll call after in the recording but this Uh, is a lot of fun
1: at least we didn't wait for him to call
0: (laughs) (laughs) exactly anyway Mark this was great thanks for doing this and we'll have you on here again in about a month's time I'm not giving it away but safe to say, um, we are going to be revisiting Augusta, but we're not going to tell you what tournament it is. There's a reason why we picked this tournament. but You'll have to find out when we do it, Mark. <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm excited about it, and I'm uh, looking forward to, to going over the, the Augusta National uh, Masters broadcast again uh, for another uh, great tournament there. But yeah, this one was fun. It was fun to talk some junior hockey.
0: Alright, so if you want to listen to other episodes of the program, you can, including Mark's previous appearance on the episode 10th of Scott's 1996 final round of the Masters. Poor Greg Norman. Uh, you can do so by going to anchor.fm slash lucas punkari and also find the show on iTunes and Spotify. Just search for Let's Remember Some Sports on there. Thanks for listening once again and we'll talk again soon. You know, Brennan Bosch gets his first goal against the,
3: against the Vancouver Giants and it starts in the corner of the rink. Just good, solid defensive positioning by the Medicine Hat Tigers. And when Bosch breaks up the ice, he decides to shoot the puck, and he may have caught Sechman a little bit flat-footed, but this place is absolutely erupted. And what a classic, Dan. It's an absolute classic WHL final. This is a corner. This is McCardle in there. Bosch starts to rush. Gets up. Mahachik was on his knees with him. He takes matters into his own hands. He uses Festerling as a bit of a screen. That is as good a one-man effort as I've ever seen for an important goal to be scored by Brendan Bosch. He's going one way. Sexmas is expecting that. And look at that
2: celebration. This place absolutely explodes as the Tigers win the championship and the Giants are on their knees literally at the home blue line waiting for the handshake. And what a night of hockey. What a series of hockey that comes to an end. If the Western Hockey League's ever had a better final I'd love to know what that series was in the long rich history of this league.
3: The Medicine Hat Tigers were down three games to two in this series the tigers were down two games to one in game seven here and they just find a way to win and boy i'll tell you there should be a lot of hugs out there well mvp there's absolutely no question i bet everything i had on it matt keatley and there's another goaltender and opposing goalie that was just sensational and look at that It's as good as it gets, folks.